Hey everybody, I'm Rima. And I'm Peg. And this is Strange Indeed, a podcast dedicated to Dexter New Blood. This week we are covering episode 5, Runaway. <laughs> I'm glad you caught that. Um, <laughs> I yeah, almost said I'm Sean, so it was in my brain. So. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, no, I'm not. One of, these, um, <laughs> one of these days, I will remember to update that agenda. Oh, it's it's been a day. Um, but regardless of all of that, what's really important is what we're here to talk about, and that's yes. that's Dexter. I I I'm so so happy with the show. We're on episode mm-hmm. five, so we're getting ready to reach the halfway point because it's a ten episode season. Mm-hmm. Um, there's so much that happened in this episode a little bit sooner than what I thought was going to happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah. we still have, you know, all these like other episodes to go and, but oh my gosh, it's so good. And I'm so digging it. What are your thoughts about this week's man? This one was so good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So there's kind of reaching that point, you know, not to spoil things for people who might not be watching, but, uh, you know, kind of similar to our lock and key coverage we've been kind of doing where we kind of reach that halfway point of the season. We're like, oh, and then they're just sta- like stomping on the gas. Here we go. Like things are really moving. Yeah. Like, And it's it's similar here. It's like, oh, we've reached the halfway point And now the dominoes are falling. Things that we've been like, ooh, that could lead to that. And that could now those things are starting to happen. And mm-hmm. we're going to hit this back end of the season where what's going to be the aftermath of the things that were revealed or found out or hinted in this episode. So, yeah, man. <laughs> yes. So, so many things um, that I, I'm, I'm like, how, how are we going to figure this out? How, how, how is he going to get out of these things? Uh, and, and what will happen next? And how, how they land this series uh, in a more satisfactory way, mm-hmm. um, based on how it's went so far? Because I'm, I'm not confident that they're, you know, a lot of people are chattering like gosh, this can't be the only season, right? This isn't... And it's like, you know, that's how it was set up, right? And that's right. what they've said. It was going to be, you know, one one more season to kind of come back and, you know, kind of revive it. And, you know, they, they really wanted to kind of rectify that finale that we got, and I, I which I'm thrilled for because it's, it's going really well so far. Yeah. But I don't know. I don't want to get my hopes up that there will be another one uh, certainly hasn't been any news to say otherwise uh so i'm just going on the assumption this is all we're gonna get yeah um so but i like that they've left themselves some space to kind of work things out to get it to a satisfactory ending like there mm-hmm. it doesn't seem like they're rushing it so i'm pretty happy about that um gosh so many good things um well, before we jump into our top five this week, um, I, I feel like I keep forgetting to mention this when we're already starting to talk about it. So I want to make sure I remember here at the top of the uh, hour here to say that, especially this episode, we're going to talk about um, all the past seasons of mm-hmm. Dexter. So if you haven't watched it, uh, press pause and go do that now. Right. Uh, you have nothing else to do. All eight right? seasons. It's very important. E- easy. E- easy quick bins, right? <laughs> it's It's super easy. It's super easy to watch. You'll get right through it. Um, but we are going to talk about them um, and, and events that happened and characters and things like that. So um, if you haven't watched, um, 
you know, you could be spoiled. So just fair warning uh, before you proceed. Um, with that being said, Pake, would you please start us off? All right. Number five. Number five, I wanted to go with something just quick and easy. Just a, a small little side plot that I really enjoyed. I call, call it the dream team. Between okay. Molly and Angela in New York City. <laughs> oh, they did make an interesting pair. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> they, they, they've become besties now. Right. Yeah. They're off on their adventure. Crank up the Taylor Swift and, and hit the road. Um, <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> they, but, it, but it was really cool because uh, we get, of course, last episode, Angela's telling Logan to run Matt's credit cards and, you know, check Kurt's statements, make sure everything checks out and of course it does which was a little surprising at first for me that they were like yep the credit card ran he's been checked in for three days or whatever and i love molly's reaction damn it and they just look at her (laughs) no dead guy no podcast (laughs) yeah (laughs) and she's like i mean yay he's alive um (laughs) we we love dead people around oh yeah (laughs) but uh that was funny. But they didn't then decide, you know, because Angela just like makes a comment. She's like, man, I have half a mind to drive down to, to the city myself and just confront him. And Molly's like, yes, yes, let's do that. That sounds great. Uh, of course, she's like, well, you know, the precinct's not going to pay for me to, to go all the way to New York, even though there is this like missing persons law enforcement conference that I would like to attend. So it'd be great. Mm-hmm. And then Molly, you know, here you go. Having this super famous true crime podcaster as a new bestie is already paying off. Cause she's like, Oh, I'll expense it. No problem on my dime. Let's go. Uh, <laughs> yeah. How convenient. Right. <laughs> and so they do, they head off to, to the big apple, <laughs> Molly and Angela hitting the city. Off, off on mm-hmm. an adventure, as you say. Yep. Yeah. I, I hadn't, thought of those two uh as as a duo but they they do really well together yeah you know it was fun to see uh them together and they seem to have a, a good chemistry together and you know the the podcaster she w- molly was slightly less annoying i thought she was funny and kind of snappy mm-hmm. um you know and i i thought she was entertaining uh, yeah this episode and 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 proving to be useful i mean we've seen that she's not just je- like she knows her stuff you know, as far as, you know, um, you know, helping find missing people and how the system works. And, you know, so she's proven herself to be useful and then even more so in this episode. Yeah. She's she's still her, her usual self. Like, yeah, I think I'm gonna go get a massage while you do this. And Oh, it's two stars on Yelp. Never mind. I guess I'll, <laughs> I'll sit in here with you for a little bit. And then she's like, plugging her podcast to some detective mm-hmm. sitting in the scenes in front of her like isn't that what we do though isn't that what <laughs> hey you know i've got a oh bay harbor butcher yeah i know all about that i did a I did an episode on that why don't you yeah. uh, check it out may fucking kill on spotify apple podcast stitcher all your <laughs> users you know yeah all, yeah, all the podcast I to, services. <laughs> I had to laugh because I'm like, well, I feel like every podcaster I know, we're all, well, and maybe I should just talk about me, but it's like, you know, if you talk about a show or you're, someone's talking about a show, like, oh, have you seen this show? It's really good. I'm like, really? Because I cover that on my podcast. Yeah. You, should, oh, yeah. you should check it out. <laughs> you like that show? Listen to that. Yeah. Oh, I've, yeah. I've done it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm actually sure. covering that right now. Why not? Uh, Why not? So, yeah, it, it was funny. But uh, so they go to this hotel, the, was it the Gramercy? 
motel. This is super fancy, super nice. It was like, yeah, if you're going to hide out anywhere, this is the place to do it. Um, yeah. And then that's where Angela is able to pull her badge, her, her cop card a little bit and convince the guy at the hotel to pull the camera footage from the lobby at the time that he says Matt Caldwell checked out. And then why it takes an entire day to get an IT guy to pull footage from the night before. I don't know. <laughs> Not sure. Shouldn't take that long. No. But whatever. But all right. They go back. It gives them time in the day to go, you know, meet a throwback from seasons past. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, so they go get get the footage finally. And when the footage comes up. On the screen, checking out with Matt's credit card is some complete rando. Uh, they play it off. They're like, oh, yep, there he is. She takes a picture, which I'm sure she will be showing to Kurt soon. Like, oh, your oh, son yeah. looks very different. What happened? Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, they, they play it off with this guy. And they're like, yep, there he is. Thanks. And then as they're walking, I was like, why? The question. Everybody keeps asking this season. Why would Kurt lie? Right. But uh, yeah, it's just. They see that Kurt has like hired or told, sent some guy with Matt's card to check in and as a as a cover up. So now they know that something is definitely up, and Kurt is lying for Matt. They might be thinking, but really, it's more for himself. Um, right, but, but something's up. Something is absolutely up. Yeah, that was in one of my notes too. So, I mean, I guess we we can assume right that it was Kurt hired this guy who, whoever this guy is and yeah. we don't know but hired this guy to uh go and and pretty much say oh yeah you know leave a trail i guess uh, also assuming that they wouldn't actually go like they would just run the cards and go oh yep well there he is he's safe and sound in new york but i don't know i mean it makes sense that angela wants I, angela wants like a visual confirmation that matt's alive yeah it's I mean, not a lot to expect. Still, like, like you, would, I mean, you wouldn't be surprised. That's what she's looking for, right? Because even if he's, uh, you know, okay, let's say he's, let's say he was alive, then he still committed a crime by shooting the deer, right? And he needs to answer for that. He needs to, you know, pay a fine for that, or at least answer for that. Uh, unless his father's already done it, and it just wasn't talked about or something yeah. when you know off screen or something, because he's like, oh, fine, I don't, I don't care about some stupid fine, you know, for for that. Uh, so maybe he's already taken care of it. I don't know, but I know, you know, Angela is is she's very thorough. She's a very good cop. Yeah, uh, which we find out later. Yeah, <laughs> as we I mean, we see it in all the episodes. I think she's really, you know. Just because she's a small town cop doesn't mean she's not a good cop and not good right. at her job, um, it, which she has, has proven in all the episodes and in this one especially. But she seems to just really have a good instinct for things and she follows things through to the end. She's not just going to like write it off, close the case and be like, oh, Matt's alive. Okay, file it away and be done with it and move on to the next. She very much is going to follow protocol yeah. uh, and be very thorough to close this case and probably wants to have a work. Well, like she said, like, you know, I've had people out there in the freezing cold looking for him and he's out there having a great old time with freaking room service. Right. You know, so I don't, I don't blame her, but it was, you know, a little naive for, and I'm, again, I'm assuming it's Kurt that set all of this up, obviously, uh, that she wouldn't follow through. I guess he yeah. was just hoping she wouldn't, go all the way to New York or something. But yeah. uh, it was smart of him, though, to 
at least come up with, you know, some way of like making it like there's activity out there yeah. that, you know, to prove that Matt was alive since he can't actually FaceTime him and show his face and be mm-hmm. like, oh, here I am. Um, so yeah, uh, that's going to be interesting. So, uh, how, how is Kurt going to play this off? Cause I'm like you, I think she's definitely going to be confronting Kurt, uh, and saying, okay, my friend, what's going on? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. My snarky self, that w- my move would just hold that picture up to him. Like, did Matt get a haircut? Like what's, <laughs> <laughs> he looks a little taller. He looks different. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Don't know. <laughs> Maybe it's the camera adds, adds ten pounds. Right. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was really good. Really good. I, I I'm look f- looking forward to seeing how she handles that. Although, and this isn't one of my points, but um, or well, it will be, but it's not at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's she's got more to deal with. Yeah, <laughs> uh, than just Matt Caldwell, uh, as we'll talk about. Okay. That was a really good number five. Good way to start it off. Uh, well, I'm going to, my number five kind of ties into that. So I'm going to just jump into mm-hmm. it. Uh, the, you know, Molly and Angela being in New York and Angela's taking advantage of the situation, like you said, and, and you know, they're wanting to uh, go to a police conference. And holy hell, mm-hmm. did we get a really amazing cameo uh, yeah. this episode when Angela walks in and they're introducing the guest speaker is none other than our um, favorite, one of our favorite characters uh, was Angel Batista, mm-hmm. captain, now captain of Miami Metro. Yes. Was he captain at the end of season eight? I think he had gotten that job. It's I don't been a remember. while. Yeah, I don't, oh, I'd have to go back. I don't remember. I honestly, it, I do not remember. I remember him getting promoted. I don't remember yeah. if he was captain or where uh, when season eight wrapped. Yeah. I honestly don't remember. Um, but he's still there. Yeah. Ten and, years later, he's still doing it. He's good, yeah. good on him. <laughs> yeah. And he looks great. Yeah. He doesn't look like he's changed at all. Right. Uh, well, and definitely hasn't changed. He's still a ladies man. Yeah. You know, he was, <laughs> he was, <laughs> I was like, damn, Angel, you're still like, mm-hmm. you know, throwing out the charm. Like, you know, how you mm-hmm. doing? You know, right. <laughs> so funny. Um but yeah, we get to see what Batista's been doing since the finale. And, you know, uh, Angela really finds a lot of what he, he says intriguing and ends up, you know, kind of meeting up with him after, which you knew was going to happen, right? You're not going to just drop a cameo with the character and not kind of catch up with them a little bit. Right. Uh, and, and while, you know, he while he's speaking, you know, he drops some interesting information that, you know, I don't know if anyone else picked up on, but he says that the identity of the Bay Harbor butcher is unknown. Mm -hmm. Uh, And if, if we recall, uh, season two, Dexter, they pinned it on dokes, pinned it on dokes. Mm -hmm. And, and of course, not everyone was comfortable with that. Everybody was really struggling with that fact uh, that, it could have been dokes. Yeah. Uh, Dexter made it to where it it fit, like the pieces fit. It it kind of clicked with a couple people. Like as as much as what they were struggling with it, mm-hmm. they were kind of like, I mean, that's just where all of the leads. That's where they go. And it <clears throat> points to dokes. Um, yeah. 
everyone, I think Maria did did not. She did not believe it. That was yeah. like her former partner and her really great friend uh, there um, before he had died and stuff. So she yeah. struggled. She never really believed it. But you know, what are you going to do? They closed it, yeah. assuming that it was him. So the it case was, interesting. was kind of unofficially reopened briefly in yes. season seven. And it yes. comes from, so again, I'm glad that, yeah, you prefaced this with t- going back. We're going to be talking about stuff. Yeah. Cause in mm-hmm. season seven, cause that's after uh, Dexter kills the uh, doomsday killer. Right. Uh, Colin Hanks character. I can't think of his name right now. Exactly. But um, <clears throat> yeah, it escapes me. <clears throat> but yeah, cause of course Deb catches him in the act of killing him. And then they realize that uh, Deb or, you know, the, because of that, like the, the the police were gonna kind of be on their way and would be able to track where they were going, so he has to uh, fast track his ritual a little bit, and they end up kind of changing the plan and uh, burning the church down. But he was like halfway through his ritual, and so a blood slide with the doomsday doomsday's killer. I can't speak. Wow, doomsday killer's blood on that slide was left in the wreckage in, of the burnt church, and Maria. Uh, found it and she was like well the only person who used these blood slides was the bay harbor butcher so and they said that was dokes and he died years and years ago so obviously that's not the the thing and then so she kind of starts uh getting onto dexter's case which doesn't end well for her obviously uh yeah (laughs) good yeah good good recap um so yeah it's interesting that you know, it that is still in question. Yeah. Um, that, and if they if they do know, or if he suspects, he's not saying. He's just he's leaving it as unknown. Yeah. Um. So it was it was interesting to to believe that they still uh, think that there's a suspect out there. Yeah. Um, or like so you said, I, he may have thought because I know you know mm-hmm. Maria confided in Angel a lot in a lot of different ways. Um. Yeah. And so, of course, I wouldn't be surprised if she let him in on the fact that she had a lot of reason to believe it was Dexter. Mm-hmm. And, of course, Angel, as he mentions to Angela here in this episode, that he has all reason to believe Dexter's dead. So so if, if they believe it's Dexter, then why would they pursue anything? Because they think he's dead. Yeah. So even if they suspect that it's him, well, what's the point? He's, yeah. he's dead or dead in quotes to yeah. them. Yeah. Anyway. Um, so yeah, re- really great to see Batista back. Um, that was a nice little treat. I wonder if he'll be in another episode. I don't know. Um, but it was, you know, when he drops Deb's name, you know, he talks about Deb, um, Dexter, and then finally remembers Harrison's name. Yeah. And then of course that triggers Angela a little bit. Cause she's kind of like, Hmm. Cause I mean, it's, it's not an uncommon name. But it's not super common. Right. And, of course, you know, just enough of a... It's a not of, enough for, like, an immediate, sure, like, connection right. just like, on its hmm. own. But enough to be interesting. Enough it's. to be interesting. <laughs> and, I, and I know that she's able to tie that, which, again, I don't want to go into our points too far, because I know we've got a lot to talk about and unpack, because I want to focus on him, um, you know, that she'll use, I think, later with another piece of information. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, great, great to see, uh, Angel. A surprise cameo. You know, we had a lot of list of names, uh, of, of people that were joining and that we would, you know, see or have cameos, 
mm-hmm. in this season, uh, but I did not hear anything about no, I didn't uh, either. Angel coming back. So there is one was... that I saw listed that I don't know is confirmed to stuff, and I'm not going to say what it is. Mm-hmm. That depending in what capacity they're going to be able to do it, if they still do, I don't know, and I'll leave it at that. <laughs> if you know what yeah. I'm talking about, you may you may know, but uh, if not, then I don't want to spoil anything. <laughs> yeah, well, so I'm not okay. being very helpful, but <laughs> no, it's totally fine. We have to kind of speak in code a little bit because I don't, yeah. wanna, you know, because some people aren't wanting to read or hear things like yeah. that. And that's fine and make consider it spoilery, and I I almost hesitate to, you know, I don't know, I. I just saw stuff. I wasn't actually like seeking a whole bunch of things out, but it just kept coming out like, oh, so-and-so is joining, so-and-so is joining. And I'm like, oh my gosh, and it's great news. But at the same time, I wish I kind of didn't know some things. I could be a little bit more surprised as far as like who who was going to be in the cast or who might be in, uh, you know, one of the episodes or even more than one episode. Um, So yeah, we won't say anything. So we won't spoil. Yeah. Um, But Angel was a surprise. So that was, that was really nice. I was, I totally, I think squealed a little bit like, (laughs) Angel! Yeah. Angel, oh my god! That was a surprise. So, that was great. It was great. He was, uh, I, I really enjoyed enjoyed his character in the original series. So, it was good to see him back. Good to see him yeah. well. And good to um, see him doing um, what he's good at. Because he was a good cop, too. Oh, yeah. Really good cop. And a good good guy. Just a good, good guy in general. So, mm-hmm. that's my number five. Awesome. What is your... Number four. That was my number four. Also, uh, so it oh, ties crap. in perfect. Is, is <laughs> I Angel? Totally just took your no, that's <laughs> that's great. Um, so I was trying to say I had a couple extra notes, but then I'll I'll take it a little further because my my point with Angel kind of goes into the stuff that you stopped at, which is okay things good. that he said and kind of how they ended up playing a part into other things. So okay. so uh, let's see. Yeah, of course. Uh, it's great to see Angel, like we were talking about. Uh, I did notice, though, as he's giving the, the speech, he's talking about the Bay Harbor Butcher case, and Molly mentioned something to Angela about, you know, oh, I did an episode on that one, and that's where she kind of, like, talks to the other detective. She's mm-hmm. like, Mary fucking kill, check it out. Um, <laughs> but I was like, oh, so she covered the Bay Harbor Butcher also, not just Trinity, but also that one. And I was like, and you sure she doesn't recognize Dexter? I mean, how, how much would Dexter, like, would he have come up in her research for that case? Because he was, like, the blood analyst that was like kind of like and then dokes was after him and there was this whole like he was <laughs> not as you know he was more connected than they thought he was uh, obviously but right but he was still connected to the, their version of the case to some degree and so you'd think while well, her doing research on that case and also the trinity case like she has seen dexter's face and heard his name and put those together had to have in enough instances in her research for these episodes. I feel like, yes. <laughs> yeah. And, and that, I think we were talking about that, about that in one of the other episodes mm-hmm. was how can she not know if she's covered? And I know we speculated like, Oh, I wonder if she's covered by Harbor butcher. And then we, it was discovered that she did cover Trinity. And now we know in this episode, she did cover Bay Harbor butcher. Yeah. So yeah, between the two, you know, Trinity Killer, you know, had the picture, uh, or that episode had that picture of Rita. So she would have had to crop Dexter out of that big wedding somebody, picture with Rita. <laughs> somebody did. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I guess we can't assume that it was. That we don't know where or how she got that picture. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it was her wedding picture. I have to assume Dexter was in that picture and mm-hmm. that he was cropped out. Whether or not she did it, I don't know. Um, but, and she's met Jim Lindsay. Yeah. So... <sighs> It just 
seems weird that she wouldn't have seen his picture somewhere in between uh, covering the Bay Harbor Butcher case and, and all of the investigators and cops that were involved, uh, especially because it was thought to have been um, a fellow police officer. Yeah. You'd think that a lot of the you know cops that were active or uh, forensic people that were working that case at the time, she would have had a record of or names yeah. or something in, in her research. So between that and... Bay Harbor Butcher. It's just it's weird to think that I don't know. I don't yeah. know. Maybe maybe not. But it just seems kind of kind of hard. Because like I said, I'm I'm giving her a lot of credit. I feel like she she was pretty good at what she does. Yeah. And she's got a lot of resources at her disposal mm-hmm. as well. So yeah. So I just know, I'm I sure wondered after sending that. her stuff all the time. Yeah. Yeah. But she's been connected to a lot of the thing, or you know, she's done research in stuff that Dexter's connected to. Yep. I'm surprised that she wouldn't recognize him, I would think. So maybe we'll well maybe we'll find out, you know, that she does and she's kept that to to you know, cards close to her there. But yeah, interesting. But anyway, with Angel, his speech, and uh, you talked about it a little bit, he says in his speech he goes, Now when you find a common connection among missing people, it may be the one person it may be that one person is responsible for all of their disappearances. And I remember, was it last week, the week before or something, saying that Kurt might be behind the missing girls case. I mean, obviously he is to some degree, but even, you know, with Iris and like, how far does it go back? Right. Uh, And I think Angela might be on that track, too. I mean, not Kurt specifically, but she's starting. That's why she goes to talk to Angel and have those drinks with him after the convention thing of the little speech Mm -hmm. is she gives him kind of her spiel of you know what her hunch is on her cases and how they're related and he she wants to kind of you know get his ideas on that and so i think she's having that same thought that there's one person that is responsible for at least the bulk of these missing persons these missing girls cases that she's dealing with yeah it's possible (laughs) Mm -hmm. uh because you know, because he's like, well, there's not much tying it together. You know, it seems like there's a lot of variables um, mm-hmm. based on um, the, the like, what Angela provided him. He's like, well, you know, maybe it's not. Um, but, you know, when, like, Bay Harbor Butcher, the only thing that they could connect to... All of the victims, when they were identifying them, were that they were all like, um, they all had like prison records, or they were all like felons, or, mm-hmm. you know, and of course, that's what Dexter did, right? He typically went out, and, and I know not, maybe not everybody, I think he found, I think there was like a few that might have been first time offenders. I'm not 100% sure. I yeah, but the way he puts it in this episode is there are people who committed crimes and then got right. away with them. Right, right. But, you know, that was how they were starting to connect a lot of them from the mm-hmm. Bay Harbor Butcher was, you know, the, because that was like the only thing that was common between all of them. Yeah. Um, so. And and it took them a while to even get that far. Yeah. To make that connection. Um, so, yeah. I don't yeah. know. I don't have thought of that, too. I mean, we know, obviously, Kurt, uh, it, you know, is responsible Um you know, for a couple of deaths, but yeah, we don't know how far back he's, how far back he goes. Right. And if, if we're talking, you know, when Angela says, you know, she was in high school when her friend disappeared, I mean, 
That was years ago, so yeah. that's kind of scary to think about. <laughs> mm-hmm. But yeah, um, so more Angel, Angela having their conversation. I think it's funny that he is, like you mentioned, still a little flirty uh, with her. Yeah, a little flirty. She shuts it down a little bit. Like, I have a boyfriend, which is funny. But can he handle Super you? Super funny. Can he handle you? Because he can chop his own wood. Well, I don't want to be on the wrong side of an axe, which is hilarious. Um, if only it's he knew what who, who this boyfriend is that she's referring to, right? Uh, holding the axe. <laughs> but his old co-worker. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. But yeah, and then you mentioned this also. The conversation goes to him mentioning the Trinity Killer and that case and some of the stuff. He gives some high praise to Deb, then mentions that she died in a tragic way, as well as her brother, who sadly left behind a little boy. What was his name again? Oh, yeah, Harrison. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. So, and then it leads to. Kind of one of the big things at the end of the episode to talk about was Angela getting home, which goes straight to Audrey and kind of hugging her and be like, you know, I'm not mad. I'm just glad you're safe, which was a great moment. I did love that. Yeah, it was nice. And then Audrey's been bothered by what Harrison had told her um, and just mentions that it's been, you know, circling in her head. So she's, you know, he said the weird, he said something weird before he passed out. And it's like, he said his dad's name isn't Jim Lindsay. So that information mixed with what Angel had told her is enough to send her doing a little bit of digging, you know, just in case. And then what she finds, of course, is huge because uh, looking into Deb, Deborah Morgan, will lead her to finding the obituary of one Dexter Morgan with a photo attached. <laughs> yes. <Ooh. laughs> All connected. Oh my gosh. What <laughs> happens next? Man. <laughs> I was, I oh, I was so shocked. Uh, I mean, I, I felt like I, I, I was like, oh, God, is she going to? Surely not. Not, not, not yet, right? But man, when that picture printed off there, I was like, oh, my God. Mm-hmm. I was in, to- I was just in total shock. I was like, I wasn't, I had a feeling that he was going to be found out if, if, if he wasn't found out already and somebody just wasn't saying anything yet. I didn't think it was going to be so soon. So I'm, I'm anxious to see how Dexter is going to talk himself out of this situation. Yeah. I don't know how you can. Um, It's. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. Because, I mean, what I mean, Angela has the information. It's not like, oh, your name's not Jim Lindsay and you're actually Dexter Morgan. But who is Dexter Morgan? No, she literally knows. Dexter Morgan, brother of Deborah Morgan, who both served on Miami Metro Police you know, right. Force together. She was a cop. He was and the- she died in a tragic way. And then you died. But obviously you faked your death. So something's up. And all of this Bay Harbor Butcher stuff is surrounding the case. Mm-hmm. And there's all this. So... Yeah, I mean, as good of a cop as Angela is, she's gonna be able to piece things together. She's not dumb. And she's not dumb. She's a, a really good cop who is following her instincts. And now she also has the podcaster. So even if, even if Angela herself, because I mean they're in a relationship, so I feel like that's, you know, Dexter might get a little bit of leeway. And be able to maybe talk his way, or at least try to talk his way out of it with Angela and give a good mm-hmm. story, uh, you know, as to who he really is or why he's 
assuming someone else's name or a different name than Dexter Morgan, um, because they have a relationship. So Angela could be blinded by that just a little bit and be more mm-hmm. willing to give him a pass. But I feel like as soon as the podcaster finds out or or catches a hint of, of anything like this, she's going to blow it all up. Oh, yeah. Her story is about to get real juicy. Matt Caldwell who? Um. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Like, she's going to start connecting the dots because mm-hmm. she's, you know, what's interesting about having Molly around, and not that Angela's not good and couldn't figure it out, but, I mean, obviously she's been sitting on these missing girls' cases for quite some time and hasn't had much success. Not that that makes her a failure or anything, but mm-hmm. what Molly coming into the picture uh makes it more interesting because she's a fresh pair of eyes. Yeah. You know, she's she's got a lot of experience with these types of things, working lots of different ca- – or not working, sorry, but like talking and investigating and doing research on all these um, cases all over and then having the resources available. Um, you know, she's a fresh set of eyes that can come in and start questioning everything. And if she catches, a you know, even the slightest whiff of – you know, this, she's going to run with it and she's going to start investigating herself and it's not going to go well. So even if, even if he's able to kind of get out of his way with, you know, of it with Angela, I don't think if Molly finds out that that will, that will work. Yeah. That's my gut. Oof. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know. I, I'm really, I'm, you know, one thing that Dexter was always really good at was talking his way out of situations, explaining, yeah. coming up with a good, reasonable explanation for where he was, where he's been, what he's been doing, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but this one, I don't know. Yeah. He's out of practice. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. He's, um, yeah. Yeah. I've got things to say about that later. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. Just out of practice, but like out of sync with everything that he's kind of was used to he had his his style and his ritual and his code and it's all kind of falling apart because he's yeah (laughs) it's a lot of outside inner you know uh influence that he's not used to exactly yeah a lot lot different than um what he was used to carrying out in in miami for sure Mm -hmm. yeah we'll talk about that some more yeah um that was a really good number four. Um, my number four, I wanted to, I, I know I've talked about Deb um, and the differences between her being uh, Dexter's inner voice versus Harry, but I wanted to, because of something specific that happens in this episode and some dialogue that we get, I want to bring it up again because I, the differences between Deb um, versus Harry, mm-hmm. um, this Deb right now is really, I think, a a great reflection of how Dexter's internal monologue has shifted. Um, It has shifted now where he, like, I feel hates himself after the events of the first series, right? I mean, he, before in the series, it was like constantly, constantly rationalizing the code, Um and before he was raised to call himself a monster, now he actually feels like he is one. Mm-hmm. Like that, I feel like is pretty cemented uh, with him. And I feel like it's also showing how he's developing actual or has developed actual emotions. You know, Harry 
when he was his passenger, he was observational. He was a subconscious reflection of this monster Dexter had been raised to think that he was. Deb, being his passenger, is more... I think a reflection to show that Dexter has finally grown into the brain that he naturally had. And he can't, he can't repress how like fucked his whole life has been, you know, now that Harrison's in the picture, I feel like, I feel like Harrison is kind of a catalyst for that, for him to realize how messed up, you know, his whole life has been. And I, and, and because Deb you know, it's not really Deb, of course. It's it's his own voice and this other side of him. Um, and the things that she says, you know, and has said in New Blood, you know, is very different than what we used to hear. And it's a very different tone. And it definitely shows a change and a shift uh, in, in what Dexter thinks and believes now, I think, and how he thinks of himself um, than what he used to. So I'm, I'm enjoying that. I'm kind of enjoying, you know, uh, that... Uh, kind of that peek into his brain, if you will. Does that yeah. make sense? It's because I've mentioned it a couple of times, like every time we have like some kind of like major like lines and this kind of internal, because it's what it is, is an internal battle. But you think yeah. it's between Dexter and Deb, but I always have to remind myself it's between Dexter and himself. Deb is a part of him and that's just this other voice in his head, but it's part of him just kind of personified through her. So when he's having these internal battles, I mean, it is like you said, him blaming himself or hating himself or doubting himself. Mm -hmm. You know, he has this, you know, side of him that is saying, Oh, if I just open up to, to Harrison and let him know what's going on and no, let him know that if the same thing's happening with him, I'm there for him. And then he has somebody who's there for him and he's not alone. Like I've been my whole life. But then the dead part of him is, you know, oh, nope, you're only going to drive him to be worse. He's going to think it's okay. And Right. There's this, but it's, it's fun to think about because it is him arguing with himself. Yeah. You know, you have that unique edit and that choice, you know, with Deb yelling, you know, he turned out worse than you and you're a fucking monster. And then immediately followed by him turning and she's standing behind him and like hugging and consoling him. And it's this dichotomy of this passenger in his mind where he's like everything you do is going to turn out wrong but but no you have you you can do the right thing and, and he can't decide his own self what he's supposed to do like right he's definitely got a conflict mm-hmm. um with it with himself and struggling um with those thoughts yeah i i really enjoy it. i you know um i like i like the differences and i i think it's interesting to see that growth and change in in Dexter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What about your number three? My number three, I call Killer Kurt. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We, I mean, we felt pretty confident at the end of last episode that, yeah, okay, so we've been right this whole time. Those were Clancy Brown's eyes. Uh, this is Kurt Caldwell doing this, taking these, these girls and locking them up and then killing them almost for sport but like it's also this weird ritual <sighs> thing because we see more of his ritual kind of in a way that it yeah it's, we get a little peek it's real weird but yeah of course you know kurt brings chloe to the murder basement and <laughs> <laughs> so 
<laughs> She's uh <laughs> murder basement. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> but yeah, she's super happy and grateful uh, for mm-hmm. now. Uh, for now. She's, yeah, she's so excited she could just die and go to heaven. I, I, I could fucking die and go to heaven and yeah. don't careful what you wish for in the murder basement. It's yep. not good. Because uh, Kurt, Kurt's only reaction to that is just to smile and laugh to himself as he walks out of the room. Like, oh, not mm-hmm. good. And then, yeah, part of this ritual, though, he shows up at the bar while Dexter is up there talking with Tess. And, you know, he goes and he plays Runaway by Del Shannon on the jukebox. And he's We've heard that. dancing and he's he's in this light mood. And Tess even says, oh, yeah, he he does this every few months, you know, maybe after he has a new victim locked away. It's part of the that- little ritual. His, my little runaway, you know. Thank you. I, <sighs> I, I've had that in my note. He's uh, one of my points too that is this him going to the bar uh and essentially i think people can write it off like oh he's just kind of like acting like the town drunk or whatever yeah um but is that part of his ritual because yeah, i mean because like, oh, you yeah, see the way every he few months goes to the jukebox oh, same song and here he, and mm-hmm. it's like he, you can see he's almost like a drug addict like you yes. know like he's he's twitching he's feeling like there's some kind of release that needs and he gets to that jukebox and that song starts playing. He starts like, it's like this release. And he's like, oh, yes, finally, here comes and my song. And almost like celebrating. And yeah, like, he's like, it's it's here. It's, you know, part of the ritual. And it's, I was like, stop trying to ruin one of my favorite songs with your creepiness, Kurt. Quit it. Oh, um, I know. He's I know. Ruining all, he's ruining that song. He's ruining the phrase paying it forward. He's oh, just ruining yeah. everything for me. Um, but. I do love that song, but he's making it hard. Uh, that, that's okay. We'll 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 do like a cleansing ritual or something to help. Right. That away. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and Dexter's sitting there at the bar, just so perplexed by him because Dexter very well knows that Matt is dead. So this whole charade is very strange to him. I like that line. He's just like either he's crazy or i am I yeah i was like well um, uh, yeah he's definitely perplexed the look on dexter's face just really cracked me up i'll say that he's just kind yeah. of like what the hell you know <laughs> uh, and it's it's interesting though i feel like dexter's been in that town a couple years i think is what they yeah. mentioned earlier in the season uh, so i think he said like three years or something first, yeah and this is the first time he's ever seen kurt come in in, into the bar to do something like that. He's like, what's he doing? Um, yeah. So I thought that was a little interesting, but it's, mm-hmm. it's fine. I'll, I can overlook that. It's a small uh, kind of detail, but, um, but yeah, it very much seemed ritualistic that, you know, it's like, he's, it's kind of like the celebration before the hunt. Yeah. You know, um, mm-hmm. yeah, you some, think- some yeah, cultures, like, you know, kind of do like a celebratory kind of thing because they're, you know, there's a hunt the next day or something. And it's almost what it kind of seems like. Oh, I've been, I mean, growing up in the South, obviously, in Texas. Yeah. Hun- yeah. Hun- hunting is definitely part of it. And even, you know, it's not so ritualistic. But yeah, I remember growing up and going to, you know, out to the the hunting lodge and, you know, out, you know, you drive like eight hours. Mm-hmm. Texas is big. You know, we'd go to the other side of the state. But, you know, uh you know, out to West Texas, we'd have, you know, this big like hunting week planned with my dad and my uncle and my cousins. And, you know, we'd do all this stuff. And yeah, you get out there and like, you'd stay up. I mean, my, my uncle and my dad and everything, you know, more drinking and get <laughs> me. I was young. So me and my cousin more just like playing card games and Game Boy and, 
you know, right. but, but you'd stay up the night before and you'd all hang out and talk and there'd be drinks and a campfire. And it's like this very lively camaraderie kind of feeling. Yep. And then you go to bed and you get up early the next morning and the hunt begins. Like there's this, you bring everything together. And so even though it's just Kurt himself, but it's that same kind of feel where he's partying it up and he's getting lively and he's ready for exactly. the hunt. You know? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <clears throat> Chilling. Yeah, yeah, so, so I, th- I think that's part of his ritual for sure, part of mm-hmm. it. Uh, and then it doesn't take Chloe too long to notice that she's locked in and she sees the camera with its ominous message. And then Spooky. things get weird. Kurt just creeped me out this episode. Because like, what, what is his deal? It's like, what what is the game? What is he playing? What is his reasoning which I didn't even know there was a microphone button on my Mac until I saw this. So, hey, thanks, Kurt, I guess, um, <laughs> for letting me know that. Um, all Because I, I, I used it. I found out that you know all it does is it helps me. I can dictate my notes with the microphone button while uh-huh. taking notes on my uh, laptop while watching you know. the episode. Because I, I take my notes on my computer while watching the episode. And I was like, what is – oh, there is a microphone button there. And I hit it, and it was like – you can dictate. And so I was like just talking while watching oh. the episode and I was dictating my notes. And I was like, oh, this is cool. Um, there, Yeah, I think that is a thing because um, I think col- I've heard of college students doing something yeah. like that where they just set up their laptop in class and just hit that button. And as the professor's talking, it's like taking notes, but yeah. it's just like transcribing what the yeah what, what they're saying. So, yeah. So I totally Kurt helped me out that. in this episode. I was like, oh, I can just talk my notes out while watching this episode. Cool. Um, I can't, you know, uh, talk to somebody locked in a murder basement with that button on my computer. I haven't figured that out yet, but yeah, we, we got to figure out how how you do that. But, uh, anyway, with that scene, I was trying to figure out this, what is Kurt actually after? What's the reason behind he's doing? I mean, because we see Chloe desperately trying to figure out, I mean, she's freaking out and stuff, but she takes her top off and she's like, Oh, maybe it's a sexual thing. And if I play along with Mm -hmm. him, then there's a chance. But instead, Kurt just gets pissed off. He gets yeah. mad and shuts his laptop he and he's like pissed. screaming and he's, this is not what this is about and stop it. And I'm so confused and creeped out at the same time. Cause like, then what is this about? What is, there's some weird thing in his past or something. It's kind of like with Dexter, like there's some kind of trauma or weird glitch that like is creating this ritual and reasoning for why Kurt has to do what he does. But I have no idea what it is, and uh, I, I don't either. I, I think you're right, though. I I agree. Um, yeah, because be- what he becomes moving forward, like it's so weird. I mean, because he decides to let her go. It's time for his hunt, but then you know Chloe decides to fight back, and she's ruining everything for him. That's kind of his thing, you know. Mm-hmm. You know, he goes down to the the basement to that room to, to go get her. She cuts him on his face, but he overpowers her and pulls her up to the surface, throws her on the ground, picks up his gun. is like, now run. It's <laughs> like, I'm going to kill you. And then he doesn't expect her to run at him instead of away through the field. So he ends up blasting her in the face through the eye, killing her there. And then it just, he freaks out and everything's gone to shit. I mean, he shoots her again. He's like, you ruin everything. And, which we saw, you know, with the previous girl that he was like embalming her and stuff. So it's he's mad about this because it's like his trophy is ruined. That's, you know, like yes, thank you. That's what I was thinking too because I feel like there's a, a bit of a taxidermy twist, right? Here to this, and so he's damaged saw. this pretty yeah. 
trophy that he was going to take. And right. And then the way he's acting, you know, he's like banging his forehead. It's like he reminded me of like a little child who just broke their toy and things aren't going yeah. his way. And he's throwing a little temper tantrum and it, it just different creeps side me of out. Kurt. Different yeah. side of Kurt. Yeah, I agree. I was very, you know, confused as well. Uh, but I think it had, I think he has a specific criteria for his kills, like a ritual, like mm-hmm. uh, with Trinity and the uh, the the one part of the Trinity um, was the woman that would jump. Mm-hmm. Um, in that instance, the woman had to jump voluntarily. He couldn't push them. And I say voluntarily, I mean in quotes, because clearly they were not doing it under their own will. But he would, uh, at least when we saw him doing it, he threatened the woman's family yeah like i'm going to go get your children and i'll you know i'll kill them or i'll hurt them if you don't jump so he of course you know uh coerced them into jumping um so it wasn't voluntarily but he she's like no just just push me i can't do it just push me and he goes no it doesn't work that way so i i feel like maybe there was something very specific uh with kurt's ritual yeah. Um and that's why he was so angry because you know serial killers are you know do have certain patterns and when it doesn't go like they don't feel satisfied if their kill doesn't like they might kill someone but if it doesn't go exactly how they have it planned out and exactly by their ritual they're not satisfied by it. They're mm-hmm. very unsatisfied. And so they'll go seek to do it again you know, to get it right according to their ritual or, or yeah. how they reach that satisfaction. I mean, we I even feel... see that with Dexter in this episode where yeah, it does, something doesn't get to play out the way that he wanted it to. And yeah. it's just, it's off. Exactly. I think we've seen that in the, in the um, past seasons as well. I think there was a couple of times that, mm-hmm. you know, he got interrupted or, you know, something happened. He had to speed through it uh, and he didn't quite feel, now he didn't act like this because, you know, he, yeah. he didn't quite. Um, do that but you could tell he wasn't quite satisfied he would say that that wasn't quite how he had planned it and he didn't feel quite satisfied um by that so i think that there was it was because it didn't follow his ritual and his plan that he has out for when he does uh, i'm calling i i i'm thinking he's like a hunter too um and the whole taxidermy thing i'm like well he shot her in the face so that ruins his um you know his trophy yeah uh that i think is so somehow weirdly important to him. I don't know. I'm. Uh, we don't know yet, but I'm. I'm curious what it is, uh, and 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 the story behind it. Because like we got to learn like Trinities, right? Like we yeah. we understood what all of that meant to him. So I, I want to know what's up with with Kurtz and find out what that's all about. I like it. Yeah, he was different. He's he he he's almost like a different Kurt every time he comes up on the screen. Yeah, <laughs> um, never know which one we're gonna get. Uh, I like it. Uh, well, my number three. <clears throat> I'm afraid this this might go a little long. Um, I had That's some right. interesting, um, or I think interesting. <laughs> Hopefully, everyone will find it interesting. <laughs> but um, I was interested. We'll say that. Um, and that was how the series finally admits how wrong Harry was to teach Dexter the code. Mm-hmm. And I want to get your thoughts on this too. Um, 
so when we're introduced to Dexter way back, you know, he's a very unconventional killer. He he doesn't just kill for the sport of it. Uh, he seeks out murderers, right, that have evaded justice. That's mm-hmm. part of the code that Harry taught him. And Harry teaches this to Dexter as a teenager, uh, you know, he, he because he catches Dexter killing animals. And, of course, rightfully so, fears that it could escalate to killing people. Um, but... What's troubling is for me is Harry doesn't tell Dexter how he ended up the way that he was. It it wasn't until Dexter came in contact with Ice Truck Killer, who, if you remember, uh, was his brother, um, and it through that starts triggering memories of what happened to his mom and how she was murdered uh, and how he was essentially born in the blood um, and how Harry found him uh, and rescued him. Um, and then, you know, Dexter finds out later that he was having an affair with his mom and he finds out these other details about Harry that aren't, mm-hmm. you know, they don't show Harry in such a favorable light. They kind of, no. Deb and Dexter are kind of like, oh, dad wasn't like this perfect father or this perfect angel of a person. He had his own, which everyone does. He has his own faults, mm-hmm. but they really, they really held Harry in, in a yeah. high regard. But being somebody in law enforcement who is frustrated with the justice system failing in certain cases and then training your adoptive son to murder the people that slip through the cracks. That's a big fault. Uh, it's, a, it's a big fault. It's a big yeah. fault. So, but, but despite the, the things that Dexter learns about his, his father adoptive father here later, he still continues to follow the code. He's yeah. like, you know, yeah, dad did all these things, but I'm going to keep following the code. And we even find out later uh, that Harry commits suicide after catching Dexter dismembering one of his victims. Mm-hmm. And it's like Harry could not stand to watch the monster he created, which is exactly the point because Dexter didn't, I don't think, have to become a monster. It's what Harry told him all the time. Yeah. Um, and for Dexter to hide who he is, pretend to be normal, pretend to show feelings. You know, Harry was responsible for creating Dexter and his persona. Um, And, you know, Deb, who we know is Dexter's internal um, voice, you know, himself calls it child abuse, which proves Dexter thinks and believes that it was child abuse. Yeah, that's that's his inner voice. Um, and, And 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 even if you take even if you don't believe that so much, I mean, you know, Harry doing um, all of these things with Dexter and paying so much attention to Dexter over the years, it really messed with Deb. Like, he fucked with Deb's childhood, yeah. um, too. It made her bitter as an adult all the time that he spent with Dexter. There were multiple comments throughout the series that Deb would make about, you know, how Dexter was the favorite. And he, you know, Harry spent all of his time with him and and Deb would act out and do these things to try and get Harry's attention. And it made her bitter as an adult. Um, It, you know, she always fell in love with the wrong men, um, which is kind of, I think stems from not really having a a male role model with moral guidelines. Um, So if nothing else, Harry was neglectful to Deb, you know, when she Mm -hmm. was growing up, you know, because we often hear how much he ignored her and how he, he doted on Dexter and she even became a cop. So they would have something in common. Yeah. Um, and it, it, what makes it so 
I, th- I feel sad and tragic, in my opinion, of Harry teaching Dexter the code, is it's, I think, so possible that Dexter may never have become a murderer or social sociopath without right. Harry consistently guiding him and insisting that he was a monster. You know, Dexter... You know, get young Dexter into some freaking therapy, and right. you might be able to steer his life in a more positive direction. Right. It and in the in the past seasons, you know, we would always hear Dexter often say, and, and Harry even saying it too, to an extent, uh, but Dexter would often say that he was devoid of emotion, empathy, he wasn't able to suppress his urge to kill is what he believed. But that's not actually true. Dexter mm-hmm. does develop emotional relationship, relationships with Deb and Harrison. Um, I, I really feel he did develop some feelings for Rita. Mm-hmm. Um, as well, and he has empathy for them, and I don't think that that would be possible if he were a sociopath. Um, and he and he was not able, or let's see, um, he hasn't killed anyone in like the ten years since he left Miami, right? Yeah. So he used to always believe, like, well, I have to do this. I have to kill. I have this compulsion. I have to. I have to, you know, feed my dark passenger. My dark passenger is driving me. Um, I have to do this. But clearly, he doesn't. He went 10 years without killing until Matt Caldwell. Yeah. And like you said, this is also in my notes, too, so I'm glad you agree with me, um, (laughs) that if Harry had sent Dexter to a therapist when he was young, maybe he could have properly been diagnosed you know i i feel like he was probably suffering some ptsd uh from um and then maybe even antisocial personality disorder from his mother's murder um which do not indicate that he himself would become a murderer he should have been sent to a therapist instead of being trained to be a killer and it seems dexter himself even knows that this is the best um route because what does he do sends harrison to therapy Mm-hmm. after what he did. Now, Harrison, I don't think, went. <laughs> but, <laughs> no. I mean, that's what he, That's what he. in the end, what he wants for him, wants Harrison to talk to someone and, and, and get some help that maybe he himself can't give him. And, of course, Harrison's not real receptive to him right now, mm-hmm. um, which I'm sure we'll get into. But I don't know. Yeah. What are your thoughts about that? Sounds like you're kind of in, in a bit of agreement there. But I, I thought that was a really interesting, you know, we've never heard heard that at all. Um, during mm-hmm. the entire eight seasons, and we hear it now. So, what are your yeah. thoughts? I mean, yeah, I agree with a lot of what you said. I, with without that, <laughs> luckily it's fictional, you know, because we wouldn't have a show and we wouldn't have a story without it. But, um, but yeah, but like, just if you like take yourself out of the the fiction of the TV show and like apply it to like a real world situation, mm-hmm. that's what you would think. I mean, because I, I I work with kids with different social behavior issues and problems and stuff like that's what yeah. I've done. And, and so I know the power that just like therapy and positive reinforcement and understanding can, you know, what kind of impact that can have on a, a young person's life. And, and obviously, yeah, yeah. And obviously what Harry was doing for Dexter was not positive. No, no. Um, yeah, yeah. Obviously, yeah. If if it had went the other route, if Harry was like, "Oh, let's get Dexter into some therapy and and see if we can help him work through his his trauma," uh, we wouldn't have a show to talk about, um, mm-hmm. and it wouldn't be nearly as interesting. But um, 
so yeah, I don't know, just just some thoughts that I have, and I just thought, oh man, and and having you know going back and rewatching um, the old old seasons. I, it made more sense. I don't know if it's just after time. Like, I don't know that I, I guess I, I did kind of think about like, oh, this is kind of interesting. This, this cop, uh, you know, teaching his son, you know, to kill uh, and how to do it without, because he's a cop. So he knows how forensics work. He knows mm-hmm. how cops think and what they look for. So he can teach him, you know, not to get caught uh, and, and, and don't just like kill anyone, you know, because you feel like it, you know, at least if you're going to do it, you know, take out people who are murderers and yeah. evade the justice system, things like that. Um, but, you know, looking back on it, it's like, wow, that was pretty, pretty fucked up. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, it's, it's fucked up because he was teaching him to kill period, but you know, you could try and justify like, well, he's killing bad guys, you know, <laughs> <laughs> violence isn't right. the answer <laughs> right it's like it's still not okay it's still not yeah. okay um so i don't know I, I think it just really was a bit of a light bulb moment while i never really thought there was any justification for what dexter did by any means like it wasn't okay but it was like well he's you know he's cleaning up the streets you know mm-hmm. um so yeah i don't know that just thought that was interesting that little piece that we got that that's how he thinks now. <clears throat> yeah. So that that was my number three. Um, what is your number two? All right. Um, number two is the kill list party. Yeah. Uh, and everything that goes down there. Um, and, and it starts, of course, with just Harrison has this kind of argument with Dexter, where Dexter's trying to like reach out to Harrison with, you know, he's got the straight razor, he's trying to talk to him about what's going on, but it doesn't go well. Harrison no. is, like, defensive and pissed off and insinuating that, you know, or, like, you know, because Dexter's insinuating that Harrison is lying, and then he's turning it back on him, and like, well, you're the one who's a liar, Jim, you know? <laughs> Very- I love how, I think it's the second time he's brought that up. Right. You know? Like, uh, Which- a- am I the one lying here, Jim? <laughs> right. You know, it's like, obviously Harrison's not going to, take well to being like so you definitely killed ethan on purpose and right like what does dexter expect what what, how does this play out in dexter's mind differently like you're right father dearest i have a taste for murder and i need guidance let's go get ice cream you know especially after the conversation they just had about um you know like not having his back when the when they accused him of cheating on the test at school and you know Harrison was really hurt by that feeling like, you know, he he's he's come all this way to find his father and he doesn't even mm-hmm. act like a father to him and he feels like, you know, he didn't have his back and here he is again not having his back. He was right. not going to react well to this at all. Yeah. So he goes outside and he's like I'm I don't want anything. So I think that's kind of part of what leads him to be like, yeah, let's let's go to this party is cuz he's like just to get away from his dad. Yeah anything at that point, which I was trying to get a read on Zach and Scott. It was interesting because, you know, they pull up and Zach gets out of the car, goes to Harrison, starts with, hey, fuck you. And you're like, oh, no, they're going to jump him because of his speech. And it was interesting because he was like, you're right. We were dicks. And so, but like, they still want to be his friend and like, they're thankful for what he did. And so they throw this party in his honor where only the kids that were on the kill list are invited. It's really this interesting thing. I was like, what? 
what what's the ploy and i guess there really is no ploy because at first i had to have that thought i was like you know are they just like is it real are they you know teenagers who roll with things as they come and maybe they're actually learning and growing a little bit as people it's like or did they purposely use this party to drug harrison and get back at him and i was like i'm throwing that out there I was like i have almost i have almost zero actual thought that that's the case i am pretty sure they were sincere they're just dumb kids with sketchy drugs but uh yeah but I I, I, at least i had a little span. thought yeah. yeah i think it's their attention span too it's like oh whatever you know because when 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 harrison does pass out and scott and zach realize like they looked pretty freaked out and worried so yeah. i don't think this was any kind of ploy like the thought was there enough for me to like hmm, let me throw that out there as, as bait and see what you know <laughs> what you think or like i don't think it's the case though uh but yeah it's, it's interesting they get to the party and harrison's not sure what to feel i think like i got the feeling that he felt very out of place and awkward when everyone is kind of looking at him when he enters but then he just turns on like whatever social mode that he has and decides to embrace it you know I- Maybe a little too much. Uh, Yeah, he he went a little too far. uh, (laughs) But he is, and I think we've said it before, I feel like we we catch Harrison sometimes uh, putting his mask on like Dexter would. Mm -hmm. You know, that I feel he's either really a lot better at it or maybe it's natural for him, but he still has to kind of, you know, sometimes we all have to kind of put our game face on sometimes. We don't feel like going out and doing something, but, you know, yeah. we're going to go do it for either for our friends or family or something like that. So we go do it and you feel like you have to kind of turn on, turn yourself on a little bit um, to do that. And I feel like I've seen Harrison do that a couple of times where he feels like, like I could care, you know, two shits about going out with you guys. But all right, let's go fucking party. Let's you know? fucking party. Yeah. Set, set to the soundtrack of a, a song called No Way by Clubhouse. I love that song. It's just it's a nice. banger. Do, 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 do. But yeah, uh, I'm like dancing like while watching the episode. Just like, yeah, it's great. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so then him at the party I thought was really interesting because mm-hmm. I was having kind of these like thoughts of like the underlying layer of what's going on with Harrison, just like watching him throughout this party. And at least what I picked up, I'm, I wonder what your thoughts are on this are. But I was questioning, is Harrison starting to feel remorseful about if what Dexter has put together is true? That, you know, if he screwed Ethan over, like maybe the whole gun thing that Ethan wanted to bring a gun to school and have Harrison help him. Maybe all of that was a lie completely. Maybe he made all this up. I mean, like there's this list, but a, a fuck you guys list isn't the same as a kill list necessarily. Right. Maybe Ethan had no intention of actually harming anybody for real, but Harrison decided to run with that in order to be able to to hurt Ethan. So now Ethan's life is ruined and Harrison's reaping all these benefits, you know, praise and popularity, flirting from girls like he's in deep. And so maybe he's getting drunk and deciding to take drugs. He takes ecstasy from that girl. He takes what he thinks is oxy from Scott turns out to be fentanyl and almost could be fatal dose of yeah yeah, you don't fuck with fentanyl you don't don't do that um god please don't do that people no uh yeah not not good uh but i wonder you know if he's constantly drinking and he's taking these drugs as a way of like drowning out the regret i think because you know he asked where did you get the kill list and where did you like he's starting to realize like what effect his actions have had on ethan and i'm wondering if he's feeling bad about it. That's, I, th- I mean, yeah, maybe. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I think it could be a lot of different things too. Like, 
I know he's pretty pissed off about his relationship with his dad right now. Mm-hmm. I think he's really looking for some guidance, and he was looking to Dexter for that. But Dexter, you know, uh, kind of is like, huh, what really happened here, son? You want to explain this? So um, he's like, who can I turn to? Yeah. Um, I, but I do think maybe he could feel some regret um, about that because I, what I found interesting uh, was, and maybe it was just me, but did you feel that Harrison seemed a little overly concerned with the kill list being public? Like he, he asked about like, where did you yeah. get that? And then, or how did that get there? Um, like right. he, you know, when he, um, he keeps questioning that, you mm-hmm. know? So I'm like, why does he keep, why is he so worried about that being yeah, I don't public know. or people knowing about it or, or whatever? Um, mm-hmm. So I don't, I don't know. It was just a little suspicious to me why he kept asking and seemed overly concerned with it. So I don't know if it's, if he had, if was that really, did that come from Ethan or did Harrison write that? Yeah. To make it a little bit more evident, because we knew the drawing was Ethan's, right? Because he yeah. did show that to, to Harrison on uh, like FaceTime or whatever. Yeah. So we know that existed. We know that he did that. But I wonder if it did Harrison do that to like plant some evidence to make his case strong against Ethan. So, mm-hmm. you know, he could kind of get away with what he did. Um, and yeah, I I think he could possibly be feeling some guilt from that. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that's, that's what I was thinking is kind of this remorse, which he then is drinking and taking these drugs. So he just definitely is able to let go of worries. He dives right in. Um, and then I was like, what the fuck is up with this dumbass girl asking Harrison to carve an H in her foot? And I was like, was this real? I mean, I assume so because you're not going to be hallucinating off of ecstasy. That's not how that works. So mm. um, I was like, you know, so it seemed like it was a real thing. But she's like, ow, it hurts. I was like, yeah, no shit, moron. Um, yeah, would you but, you know, But then there's like this action of cutting someone in the side of blood. Like it sends Harrison into this like darker mental space. And all of a sudden he's having a bad time at the party. Um yeah, he's he's real sad and in, into club right now. Um, not bad having trip. a good time. No. And I do like the use of the camera, like focused on Harrison's face as he's staggering around the party. Like it's yeah. a shot that I've seen used several times in all kinds of media and movies, TV shows, music videos. But it's it's a cool effect. And I still like it. And it was cool that they went with that. Uh, I like it. But yeah, of course, then he's blasted out of his mind on this overdose of fentanyl that Scott gave him. And tells Audrey that he, you know, that his dad thinks he's lying about Ethan. And then, you know, what's real fucked up about it is his name's not even Jim Lindsay. Jeez. And then he falls unconscious. Yeah. uh, Son. uh, (laughs) Ratted out by your own son. Right. And then, of course, it's a really good thing Audrey does call the police. uh, Because like we said, fentanyl's nothing to fuck with. And she definitely saves Harrison's life in that regard. Logan's able to arrive, revive Harrison with some Narcan. Uh, am I a little disappointed that Logan does not arrest Scott right then? Sure. Uh, does let him off, of course, for giving him the information on where the drugs came from, which leads down another fun path that we'll talk about later, I'm oh, sure. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah. 
it was but yeah the whole party itself and everything that led up to it I do think kind of in a good way though I mean if it is what I'm thinking and if it was this like remorse and regret for what happened that's almost a good thing for Harrison that he's not this like void of empathy and emotions you know sociopath that his dad thinks he might be that if he has real regret and emotions and stuff like that about the situation then then there's hope for harrison (laughs) exactly yeah because if he hasn't done this before uh then and he was just like dexter said he wanted to see what it felt like Mm -hmm. um i don't know there could be could be hope for him because I do think yeah. there's a dark... I know we've talked about Harrison a lot and whether or not he has a, a true darkness. You know, um, can he be helped? Um, or is he, you know, too, you know, just too far gone? But, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I think there's more there, for sure, under the surface, like you're, like you're alluding to. The exact reason for that, I'm not sure. But I do think you're right. I think there's something else mm-hmm. there. And it might be a combination of things, or it could be just the one thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, I like it. <clears throat> uh, my number two was Kurt, uh, which I, I feel like I've said most of what I wanted to say about him, but I did want to um, ask what you think. Uh, the cut on Kurt's cheek, I think, is foreshadowing. What do you think? Uh, I didn't even think of that until you <laughs> said it, and I was like, "Of what? oh, yeah. That yeah. would be interesting. Yeah, I like that. Um, I'm, I'm yeah. curious. I didn't even think of the cut that way. Uh, only thing I had a like, note on that cut was just the line around it that was kind of funny when, you know, Harrison pissed at his dad for not believing him. He's going to just take off and head back out into the world. Like, all right, fuck this town. I'm back out on my own. But Kurt stops him, offers him a meal and a chat. And that whole, you know, well, what mm-hmm. happened to your face? Hunting accident, which he's not wrong. He's not. <laughs> which I thought was funny, uh, but that's how he explains it because yeah <laughs> the, the truth with, with how he explained uh, it or at least an element of the truth anyway but yeah, yeah i was like i don't know i feel like i've seen that before yeah i didn't even think about that with the placement and the nice catch <laughs> <sighs> well, I, talking about our rituals not yeah, our rituals yeah. so much but you know the rituals <laughs> and that is one of dexter's Mm-hmm. It's not one of mine. Uh, Wait, what? What, what? what are we talking about? I'm gonna... Wait, I didn't mean mine. I know. I mean, I'm not talking about me at all. Somebody no. else. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what, what what's happening here. Um, <laughs> let's talk about your number one. All right. My number one might be yours. I don't know. I feel like <laughs> it's pretty big stuff. Um, it covers a lot of the episode as far as like this kind of running through line, obviously, but I just called it Vengeful Dexter. Um, yeah. Yeah, which it all starts, of course, with Harrison's overdose and him going to the hospital and, you know, seeing and talking with Harrison and then really talking with Logan after that, which I got to say, I side with Dexter on that little confrontation, if you want to call it that, with Logan. You know, Logan's right. Harrison could have died and it is very serious, but it's also not his place to, like, start trying to give Dexter, like, advice on how to be a parent yeah. And I, I like that line of saying, you know, you think being the assistant wrestling coach makes you some kind of parenting expert? You have no fucking idea. Just like, man, yeah, put him in his place. <laughs> sure did. He did. Uh, yeah, but um, 
Yep, this this ends, you know, he's talking to Logan in that moment where he's just like, you know, how did this happen? And it's like, well, we've, you know, figured out Scott's brother got the drugs from some guy and we, we've narrowed it down to a name and like a town that he's at, like in kind of his little stomping grounds. And that's all we have. And Dexter decides to run with that. Uh, mm-hmm. Stops by the local farm veterinarian for some kill supplies. Shop local. Murder. That's right. In the next town over. Uh, all in one place, dude. Mm-hmm. Multiple places. <laughs> so yeah, so he's looking for Miles. He's feeling real stabby after the overdose. Goes to this bar, lures Miles into a drug deal. He's going to sedate him, nab him. Which so many people just watch the two of them walk out of that bar together. Like, he's not thinking clearly. No! He's on... It's fully fully impulsive. Yeah. And he's not... Like, this is what I was alluding to earlier in the episode, where I was just like, he's off his game. It's not also he's just out of practice, but, like, he's not... His mind's not in the right spot. He's working off of vengeance and impulse. Right. I ha- Yeah, I have a note about that. Killing for vengeance, that's not the old Dexter. No. Dexter did not kill... He, he didn't kill anyone that was innocent. He didn't kill out of vengeance. It was very calculated. He, he vetted them out to prove that they were... You know, because if they, you know someone wasn't proved in, like, a court of law or whatever, he would, like, find his own proof yeah. that they should you know, that he should take them out. Um, and he was very careful, always very careful and calculated on how he, um, you know, took them out with that, with, with the hypodermic needle and sedated them and took them to the kill room. And this was so, I mean, we're in broad daylight. Like you said, yeah. how many people just saw them walk out of the bar together? Yeah. Like, say Logan. What are you thinking? Doesn't pull up and drive up to, to interfere. What does he do? Does he, stick the guy in the neck with the ketamine and then drag him back around to the front of the bar and put him in his truck. Yeah. Like, what's, what's the plan here? Exactly. And so, yeah, he's not thinking clearly, which luckily Logan runs up on them before Dexter gets the chance. So he tosses the ketamine and then just like rolls into acting like the whole intention. Like he's like, well, plan B He's like, I came here to beat the guy up and he just goes straight into that. Like, which Good it's not plan an B. act. Yeah, it's not yeah. fully an act because he really is. I mean, it was part of the vengeance. So he just flips into that mode where he's like, right. You know, you almost killed my son. How dare you? You know, don't come anywhere near him you know, again and starts beating the shit out of the guy, which, hey, I mean, great plan B. Yeah, like he said. Uh, yeah. And even Logan is like understanding. He's like, God, I shouldn't have given you this guy's name. Like he's never seen Jim this way. He had no idea that Jim was going to go off and hunt this guy down. Um, <laughs> yep. But. But he's understanding and where he's just like, we're going to follow, you know, come back to the station with us. We'll follow some paperwork because we have to because you beat up our suspect. But but we'll let you go. Like, we get it. You're an angry father. And Logan even has that moment where he's talking to Miles. Where he's just like, if Harrison would have died, he's like, then I can't promise you that I would have pulled that kid's dad off of you in that parking lot. <laughs> you know? Uh, yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. Su- super interesting. Um, how this was so different, and and that's why I really think Dexter has is different and has changed. Um, you know, as I was t- you know talking earlier about the differences between um like Deb versus Harry being his his passenger, um, how Harry like teaches him the code, uh, and it's considered child abuse, you know, and how we have a very different Dexter you know, now than what we had 10 years ago. 
um, because that is not something that he would normally do. It's so out of character for him. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, I like that difference. I'm, I was yeah. worried for him. Uh, he he caught, goes in like two different directions. He goes in like this vengeful mode, but he also steps into dad mode a little more. He like said yeah. because it's it's in like for in like vengeance and like you don't hurt my son, you get in the way of that, and here's what happens. But even with his own son, I mean, he steps up into dad mode when he when Harrison and him leave the hospital, and he's like, "You're going to therapy," and then if you're not at school, you're at home, you know, <laughs> and it's mm-hmm. basically grounding him um and i mean part of it is he's feeling guilty like we were talking about like this deb voice in his head questioning you know and he's blaming himself now it's like oh is it because of their interaction where he basically was insinuating that harrison's lying but it's okay you can talk to me about it is that what caused this to happen which you could make an argument for that that because harrison's pissed off at his dad that he goes to this party and ods and then Dexter's going to have that same thought too. So he's like, this is my fault and <laughs> I've got to make it right in some yeah. way. And it just sets him down this path, you know? Uh, so we talked about, you know, Miles goes back to the station. One door closes, another opens because Logan questioning Miles leads Dexter and Logan to actually, you know, finding the guy who makes and supplies the yeah, drugs. Go to the Jasper source. Jasper Hodge. Yeah. Uh, and Dexter so subtly manages to sneak a peek at the address that Logan pulled for the guy while talking to Dexter. Thought that was funny. Uh, he's on a mission, though. That's this different version of him. And I like that's where when he pulls up to Jasper's place and we get Deb sitting in the seat next to him talking to him. And that voice is, I haven't seen you like this before. This isn't about the code or feeding your urges. This is vengeance. Yeah. To which his response, he just goes, Yup. <sighs> Like he, yeah, he knows. Yep. <laughs> no doubt about it. He's on it. a whole different level right now with wanting to kill Jasper. Like, I would argue that Jasper fits the code. I mean, these cheap, dangerous drugs that are definitely knowingly killing people, and he continues doing it. So, yeah, yeah, for and sure. And when he gets in the house, he's doing. I mean, he's kind of like making sure he does that thing where he finds the drugs where he's been making them. So he's like, "There's proof. That's part of the code." Like you saw, you talked about that earlier. Mm-hmm. So he does, he's working this in. He's trying to make sure as he's going. But instead of doing all that stuff beforehand, he's doing it as he's right in the middle of, <laughs> you know, in this guy's house. He's short on time. Yeah. yeah. Like that line, hell, I should kill this guy just because of the wallpaper. Uh, oh, my God. <laughs> I laughed so hard. Right. Oh, my God. Uh, yeah, but, yeah, but the, the, the injection style, Dexter's back with how he gets this guy has Jasper on the kill table, full effect, ready to go. Jasper saying all the absolute wrong things in the situation oh about, you know, oh, my son took those drugs and he never met, you know, it's like, well, he's just another fucking junkie like the rest of them. I didn't force that. I was like, mm, probably shouldn't say that. Like, what kind of dad are you anyway? It's like, you better. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he's not helping his case. <laughs> I'm a great fucking dad. Uh, <laughs> He says that twice. Yeah. Dexter said that twice yeah. in this episode. Mm-hmm. I think he's trying to convince mm-hmm. himself. <laughs> right. Yeah. So he's he's got it all set to go. And then we talked about when things go wrong, the ritual gets uh gets stopped because Logan shows up outside. I'm surprised. I did have the thought that, you know, when we saw Dexter pull up that he parks like just under that bridge, like right there. Ex- I was like, exactly. I was surprised that Logan doesn't see and recognize Dexter's truck. Again, uh, with the carelessness. Like, yeah. walking out with with Miles out of the bar, people 
who are witness to seeing them together. And then, uh, yeah, God, Dexter back in the day would not be parked anywhere near. Right. Uh, it's making a lot of you know, simple mistakes because he's working off of vengeance and off of impulse and right. not planning way ahead. And it's not part of the code. It's not, you know, he is way out of practice. Very and now much. that Logan has showed up, he's got to work on the fly. He still has to kill the guy because obviously he can't just like abort the mission completely because the guy has seen his face. He right. knows he's the dad of somebody who just OD'd on the medicine or medicine drugs. Uh, why did I say that? Um, <laughs> I mean, it is a medicine if used correctly. Um, right. But yeah. Mm. Uh, yes. I mean, he has to still go through with it. So he does kill the guy just, you know, not in the way that his ritual usually goes. I mean, he overdoses him and stages it to look like that's what happened to him on his own. So it's it's not the satisfying ritualistic way that he wanted. Right. And uh, did it seem a little hard to believe that Te- Dexter was able to tear down his kill room and get Jasper yeah. in that gaming chair? So, so that was my next note. I was like, how he managed to clean up everything, dress Jasper and the setting to look like a common overdose, and then get the hell out of Dodge before the police busted in? I, I and don't sneak know. out without being seen. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> like they didn't surround the house at all. And I mean, I, I know Dexter thought he had more time because Logan made the comment that, um, oh, we probably won't get a warrant like right away, right? It would take him like 12 so, hours to get the so, warrant or something. Yeah. yeah, so he thought he had time. Uh, but what did, like, Logan sit there the whole time outside just waiting for the rest of the, the cops to show up? I guess And all of his so. backup and this whole SWAT team and everyone that shows up that he's just hanging out out there. And Dexter's in the meantime breaking down the kill room, dressing Japs, mm-hmm. Jasper and setting it all up to make it look like he OD'd himself and then sneaks out the back. I was like, okay, uh... <laughs> Sure. <laughs> I, I love you, Dexter, but I don't think I believe even you are that good. Um, yeah. So that was a little bit hard, hard to, you know, kind of wrap my brain around. But mm-hmm. um, borrow an old uh, part of the Walking Dead cast and uh, they haven't used it for a while. So we'll borrow it and we will file that in the Department of Sus- Suspension of Disbelief. There's- <laughs> yes, we're going to we're going to going to adopt that if, if we yeah. need to. Thankfully, I don't feel I mean, it's fiction. This is all fiction. And some things are always kind of like, wait, what? Um, but thankfully, we haven't had to use it too often in this series. But uh, that one was one I'm just like, I yeah. don't think. Yeah, there's not a lot that. that's in that department for this show right now. It's it's yeah, it's this part of this show sitting on a shelf next to running over bloodstains with tires and calling it a day. Right. It's those two things that are sitting next to each other. I think we're <laughs> right. That is also, yes, in that category for me as well. That's okay. It's okay. It's all right. We're going to, we won't fuss about it too much. Or I won't. <clears throat> I like it. Uh, anything else on your number one? That is it. I think. Excellent. So. Uh, well, my number one we've talked about, uh, but it was, hello, Dexter Morgan, mm, mm. quoting the Trinity Killer, of course. Yeah. Uh, that ending, I, I, I still can't get over it, and I think it would be so interesting if Angela and the Iron Lake Police Department do what Miami Metro could not, mm-hmm. and find out you know, who Dexter really is, and you know that he's the Bay Harbor Butcher, and you know 
connecting those dots. And I know we've talked about that, so I don't have a whole lot more um, to say about that. But it just it blew me away that because I, I, I it blew me away because I wasn't expecting it so soon. I guess I, I've I've been suspecting. And we've talked about it, you know, will someone find out who he really is and got all these new faces mm-hmm. and this podcaster who seems pretty much on her game. And, um, you know, so, yeah, I wasn't expecting it to happen so soon, but uh, I love that. That's all I could think was after after I kind of snapped myself out of it because I was in shock after seeing his picture being printed out. That was all I could think was that line from the Trinity Killer in season uh-huh. four. Do you remember how amazing that scene was? I mean, oh, season so four good. was <laughs> like arguably one of the best uh seasons of dexter but that episode when mm-hmm. trinity finds out who dexter really is that he wasn't um uh kyle shit what was he uh what's yeah dexter's name but anyway kyle something oh yeah i just went blank um but he found he he walks into the police station i remember if i just close my eyes i can see the how it plays out when when he gets off of the elevator and he's just slowly walking into homicide and just kind of walking around. And then Dexter, he's in his like little room and sees um, him walking through just so casually. And it all happens in like really slow motion. Mm. And Dexter's his mouth is just to the f- like his jaw is just to the <laughs> floor. Like, what the hell? And he kind of stumbles out of his office, walks towards Trinity. Trinity walks up to him grabs his badge and says hello dexter morgan oh my god just Mm -hmm. talk about somebody losing their shit Um, even after i've already seen the episode i you know watch it again and it's just like oh my god this was so freaking good so that's all i could think Um, that's what was like echoing in in my head when that printed out i was like hello dexter morgan (sighs) i don't know i i like i said i really can't wait to see how uh it plays out and how he's going to try and talk his way out of this one. Um, what notes do you have? I've got a couple of notes. Um, let's see. After Harrison storms out, Dexter murders a pillow out of frustration. He does. Uh, R.I.P. Yeah. <laughs> um, I like Tess a lot. Yeah. I really like her as a character. She's super cool. Uh, quite good looking, I will say. She's um, easy on the eyes. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but also, like, she's very caring about her students, while also bartending on the side. Just the coolest chick. Because we don't pay teachers um, enough. Right. <laughs> but, she, you know, she's worried about Harrison, and she's giving Dexter this info for a therapist that she's used for students before, you know, if he wants to pursue that. And it's just like, yes, Tess, you're amazing. PSA, therapy is good, people. Yes. For everybody. Please talk to good. someone. <laughs> um, but, yeah, uh, so she's great. I also love logan i love the character of logan even if he's becoming a thorn in the side of dexter but he's still a good guy like he's he's not a bad he's a good guy and he's a good cop yeah i mean between him and angela this small town (laughs) force that they've got i mean (laughs) maybe not with teddy but uh (laughs) yeah he's yeah yeah. eh, he's got some work to do but but angela and logan carry enough weight for for him uh right yeah, Logan's great, you know, as a cop and as a person. As a person, I have that I'm glad that he called Angela to talk about what happened at the party and then stood up for Audrey on that phone call saying, you know, yeah, she was at the party, but she was the one, the voice of reason. She was fully sober and she's the reason that Harrison's still alive. So don't be, you know, don't like be mad at too. her. She's fine. You know, like, I loved that. And then, yeah, as a cop, I thought he was great that moment, this stuff with Miles 
in the interrogation room. Yep. You know, some of those those lines, you know, it's like I, I had this one earlier. You said if I, you know, if he wouldn't have made it or you know, if I wouldn't have made it in time, I can't promise I would have pulled his dad off of you in that parking lot. Was every one of those ODs that can be tracked to you will be a homicide charge. I'm a vengeful dude. Um, <laughs> yeah, he was even good. Dexter's impressed. Uh, I like that. You know, damn, Logan, even I'm intimidated. Uh, he's got that world class, just soul burning stare. He is. He's good at what he does. Man. I agree. He's a good cop. <laughs> yeah. Um, Harrison threw the whole damn plate and silverware away. That is a statement. Um, <laughs> man. Yeah, he's pissed. Uh, like, come on, yeah. dude, eat, your bra- eat the breakfast at least. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then, so I talked about, so there's some notes I had about with Harrison after he walks out, you know, uh, ready to head off and just give up on this whole place and everything. Runs into Kurt. Um, Kurt takes him in. They're talking at the diner. And then I noticed it was just an interesting little note. I wonder if Harrison picked up on it or not. Kurt keeps referring to Matt in the past tense during their chat. Ooh. I pick up, you know, because I have the quotes for, you know, from what Kurt said. He goes, hell, there were times with Matt uh, when I wanted to write him off entirely. And our fights were nothing compared to the blowouts I had with my old man. It's all past tense. Interesting. I wonder if he's slipping a little bit or yeah and Harrison's a pretty smart kid yeah hmm good pickup yeah so then I was you know Kurt has a fondness for offering people jobs at his diner uh he just jumps at the opportunity for to hand somebody an application uh so Harrison decides to stick around but I do wonder as he distances himself from his dad, as he finding himself falling under Kurt's wing a little bit. Oh my God, I love it. That's my note too. <laughs> yeah. That's my note too. Was, yeah. you know, if Dexter's not careful, you know, Kurt is going to be the mentor to Harrison that Dexter wants to be. Yeah. You know, he's, they're just, which Dexter's not trying to do, but that's what's happening is yeah. this this big wedge is coming between them and Harrison is so freaking pissed at him. I mean, you just called out a couple of things, you know, uh, how he's acting out and getting back mm-hmm. at him that, and now here's, you know, someone who's not his dad who seems to understand him uh, and cuts through the shit with him in a straight, in, well, he thinks anyway, is straight up with him. Uh, mm-hmm. And I'm like, damn, He's, yeah, I mean, there's like he's going to be the one to teach Harrison yeah, or something. There's something about the line that Kurt says, the way that Harrison reacts to it, where he's just like, you know, you can't outrun the rage. Yeah. And that resonates with him. And it's, yeah. So I wonder if there's kind of this growing closeness between Kurt and and Dexter. Because when Dexter says, oh, yeah, how, how was therapy? Mm-hmm. Did, did you go? And then he doesn't really say that if he went to therapy or not, but he goes, yeah, it was actually really great to talk to somebody. Yeah. He's referring like, to Kurt, of yeah. course. And then when Dexter's like, well, you sure you don't want dinner? And he just shuts the door on him. Like, he's like, he's I've got done. somebody to talk to now. I don't need you. Yeah. Eh. Uh, yeah, exactly. He's found someone to talk to and, and someone that he thinks understands him. And maybe he does. I mean, Kurt obviously has some murderous tendencies. Um, now, yeah. how far? And, and see, I, this is where it could, like, really go wrong you know, because I think maybe Harrison could be saved 
but not if he's with Kurt. No. You know, <laughs> you know if he stayed with Dexter, where, you know, I, I would worry a little bit about would Dexter try and teach him the code? But I feel like, well, Dexter was trying to seek therapy for him, which was the right thing to do and to try to, you know, and I look, I know it didn't go well and I really didn't expect it to go well. But I feel like at least Dexter was trying to approach him honestly, and be like, you can talk to me like and yeah. I know he can't tell him why he can talk to him like, dude, it's OK. I'm a serial killer. You can talk to me. <laughs> I understand. You know, I'm not going to like judge you. Um, so you can't say that. But so, I, you know, I at least respect. Dexter trying to approach it, you know, in a way like you can talk to me. Um, but and I feel like at least if if Harrison stayed with Dexter, you know, it was at least open to hearing what he had to say, it would be better. But it is not going to be good at all if he mm. cozies up to Kurt and sees him as like the father nah. figure that Dexter is not. Because he's so mad at Dexter, he's going to look to someone else for that strong, like male figure that he didn't have. Uh, growing yeah. up that he wants Dexter to be, but he's so angry at him. Um, so, yeah, this is not going to be good. Yikes. Hmm. Any yeah. other notes? So those are all the notes I have about the story of the episode itself. We, yes, uh, we have. I, I do have one extra have fun note. <laughs> yeah, we do. Well, let me let me just run through mine yeah. really quickly and make sure I didn't have any other notes. Um. Oh, I do. Just one other note that I, I have, and it's really more of a line. Uh, we've talked a little bit off and on about lines. Um, I thought it was really funny when Dexter goes uh, and approaches the vet to get the things that he needs to, um, you know, kill um, Jasper and Miles. Uh, the dogs are all barking at him. He's like, dog's still barking at me. Still got it. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I love that. I just loved it so much. I giggled. I I can't help it. It was great. It was really funny. Um, but I think that we've covered all. Uh, yeah, we've already talked about all my other notes. But um, one big big note that I know that we both want to talk about, and mm. I I I never doubted you for a second that you would also have this on your list. Um, yes, or that so, yeah, you, the, you would uh, discover it. But the music, the music playing. <laughs> Playing over the credits at the end of the episode when we get the you know credits with the actors and yes. stuff. So the song is called Ketamine. Mm-hmm. Very fitting for the episode, of course. You using Dexter uses the ketamine. Uh, it is a song by a band by the name Princess Goes to the Butterfly Museum, which is comprised of keyboardist Matt Katz Bowen from Blondie, drummer Pete Yanowitz from The Wallflowers, and singer Michael Seahaw. <gasps> what? yes their debut album thanks for coming was released in february this year they are embarking on a european tour yes i will be keeping an eye out for tour dates near me and i will be going if that happens because to see michael c hall on stage again would be awesome and yes i said again it would be different form than the first time i've seen him it would Uh, be very different i I think i mentioned that maybe in the first episode i think that you did that you got to see i guess i say i'm on i'm on broadway i would play myself but uh but to see him perform in a band yeah so i think yes, they that were in is... new york recently i think they played a gig in new yeah york they played in brooklyn recently. yeah oh my yeah. god damn it uh, but, uh, but yeah yeah that... so michael c hall has a band my, and yeah, i was I, gonna be mad at myself being like how the fuck did i not know this but i know i'll give myself some leeway that like their first single was like 2019 right and then they put out like an ep in 2020 and then like their first 
full length was this year. So it's a newer thing. We're so. giving ourselves a break. We we, we both <laughs> talked about this before we recorded and like, damn it, how did we not know this? And it's like, well, right. they kind of went under the radar a little bit. You know, they had a single mm-hmm. and then they had, you know, like you said, an EP and then they finally released uh, an, an album. So I was like, okay, so I'm not going to beat myself up too hard, but I cannot believe I did not know this, that he has this right. synth pop band. Um, and right. I, I know that they call themselves Princess for short. Um mm-hmm. Yeah, it, so, yeah, totally fitting this song, Ketamine, playing at the end credits. And, yeah. you know... I've been listening to that album, and it's so freaking good. It's really good. Yeah, and I think if you so look them good. up on YouTube, there's some videos, too, um, as mm-hmm. well. So, super interesting, super awesome. I knew Michael C. Hall could sing. He did sing um, a little bit in Six Feet Under, for anyone that mm-hmm. watched that show, God, it was such a yeah. damn good and show. And then, speaking of him on Broadway, it's not the one I saw. I saw like because I think I did mention it in the episode. It was like a, it was on Broadway, but it was like a small, limited run, four person cast, like very small show, like just a play, play. But he also did do uh, Hedwig and the Angry Inch right. for a and while. That's, also, I think so how they all met. A big right? singing role. Uh, I don't know. Was it? I didn't look that far into it. Maybe. May I feel like that's when they first got acquainted. I don't know if that's like mm-hmm. when they formed the band so much, yeah. but I think that's where they all kind of met was around yeah. that time. It was, I think they said about seven years ago um, when Michael yeah. C. Hall was in Hedwig and the Angry Inch. Yeah. But, but him doing Hedwig, I mean, obviously you got to have some vocal chops for that. So, right. Oh, so good. Um, well, I actually found a little bit, I, I didn't do the entire interview or anything, but there was actually a little bit of an interview um, that they did with Michael C. Hall. Um, oh, shit. I forgot to find the source. I'll have to find the source. So sorry about that for where this came from. I was in a hurry. Um, <laughs> but they asked Michael C. Hall, they said, I want to get into the song Ketamine, which closes out uh, this week's episode of Dexter brilliantly. Can you talk a little bit about the inspiration for that song? He says, it was only after the fact that I think Clyde... Uh, Phillips, who showrunner Dexter, reminded me. Uh, he said, I knew it, but I hadn't made the connection that ketamine is the drug that Dexter uses to inject these victims and put them down. But the reason the song is called Ketamine is it's about a therapeutic ketamine treatment that I did alongside my girlfriend at the time, she's now my wife, at the doctor's office where they injected us. We went on, on a sort of side by side, one hour mind adventure. Uh, This song is about the experience I had alongside what I knew was Morgan's experience, which was a lot less sunny and happy and was more intense. It felt like a metaphor for our relationship. You want to kind of give in to your trip, but you also want to be aware that another person alongside you might have a very different subjective experience. In a way, that experience fortified my connection with her because the intensity of the experience was kind of matched by my desire to remain aware of her own. But yeah, the lyrics of the song were inspired by that actual experience of doing therapeutic uh, ketamine. Um, so it's not necessarily tied directly to like Dexter. It was kind of like mm-hmm. a, a a happy coincidence. Yes. Um, uh, and then there was another little part of the interview later on that um, where they ask about this episode. Uh, he said, can you talk a little bit about Dexter's mindset at this point in the season? We're getting into the back half and things are really picking up. And he says, the relationship with Harrison is really the foundational thing for this new season. What's most interesting to me about that relationship is Dexter has simultaneous contradictory impulses with his son characterized by this. 
this the wish that Harrison is not like him and doesn't have the dark passenger. But at the exact same time, he desperately hopes that he that his son is like him, because I think Dexter is very isolated and a somewhat lonely person. To discover that this product of his flesh and blood shares some sort of fundamental connection to his otherwise isolating secret, something that he can't help. But on the flip side of this, Dexter hopes that Harrison is free of it. So I thought that was interesting. Um, yeah. Little piece of the interview there. There was more to it. I think it was from. Ins- no, I don't remember where it was from. I'll find it if anyone wants to know. I'll find it. I'll have to give this credit. But um, I think I was still. I think I was listening to the the music and just got kind of yeah. lost and forgot to uh, cite my source. My apologies. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, uh, absolutely amazing. I, I would highly encourage everyone to go. Um, you know, look them up on YouTube or online and uh you said they were on spotify right yeah yep so that's princess goes to the butterfly museum michael c hall's um synth pop band very interesting music and uh they're all very talented yeah i encourage everyone to check them out yeah just i've been listening to that album today and it's like i said and just like i've had so many times like while i'm like just like doing other stuff and i have it playing and i'm just Mm -hmm. i'll stop and just out loud go holy crap this is so good yeah, <laughs> it's like man. <laughs> yeah, they're uh. really good. Yep, that's awesome. Okay, well, that that kind of went into a little bit of my news as well as we were talking about yeah. the notes, and then kind of went into a little bit of news with a little bit of an interview there um, as well from Michael C. Hall about the song, and then about like his like where we are so far in the season. So, um, with that, it will take us into one of our favorite parts of the podcast, and that's getting to hear what our listeners think about these episodes. Um, yeah. The first one that we have is from Alma Contreras. She says, can I just say this kid Harrison annoys the F out of me? <laughs> Poor Dexter, all the guilt over his past and leaving his kid behind. I wonder how Dexter will deal with Harrison's dark passenger, because he does have one. Okay, now that it's confirmed Kurt is the creep kidnapping these girls, I want to know what all he is doing with them. And I predict he will use Harrison somehow in his devious plans. I can't wait to hear y'all's thoughts. Oh my god, you guys were right last week about Angela piecing stuff together and figuring out Dexter's identity. Yeah, didn't think it happened this soon, though. Right. <laughs> and then this one comes from Laura Sagal, says, Dexter needs to be honest with Harrison before he loses him to another serial killer looking for a buddy. I think Kurt and Matt were a killing team, because otherwise, why work so hard to cover your son's tracks? Is Dexter going to be able to tap dance his way out of this mess? I don't know. Dexter can do some fine tap dancing <sighs> to talk his way out of things and manipulate yeah. and, um, you know, kind of uh, set the narrative that he wants. Right. You know. And and good good call, Laura, I, I guess, on the Kurt and Matt team thing. Because I did even, well, last week I, I mentioned I was really curious and intrigued by something that Kurt had said to Dexter about the, you know, uh, Matt you know, has killed people or whatever, you know, Matt actually has killed people. And he was like, Oh yeah, the boating accident. And he's like, what the fuck are you talking about? A boating accident. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was like, Oh wait, like, so what, wait are what are you about? talking about? Yeah. <laughs> are we not talking about the same thing? <laughs> yeah. Um. Wait, what? <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, another um, submission that we had comes from Josh Mull. Um, he says, okay, I'm not sure if you read the books or not. Um, and just side note, if, if, anyone doesn't know or doesn't remember Dexter the series was based off of um, I think you mentioned it um, before Paik the um, 
oh shoot, what was what were they called again? Darkly Dreaming Dexter. The first book was Darkly Dreaming Dexter, and then yep. like they kind of different. so series of books. Yeah. So anyway, he says, yeah. I'm not sure if you've read the books or not, and if any listeners are planning to. This is a minor spoiler, so. Heads up, guys. This could be a little minor spoiler from the books. If you don't want to hear it, you can skip ahead just a little bit. Um, He says, I haven't finished the series yet, so I'm not positive where it goes. He said, Rita's kids, Cody and Aster, seem more involved in the books. It's been years since I've read it, but I remember Cody had a dark passenger, too. I don't think he ever killed anything because he was a kid still where I left off, but he had an ability to sense other people with a passenger. Aster kind of looked out for him and knew all about it, so the kids and Dexter all shared that secret. I can't remember what happened to Cody to give him that dark passenger, but I always wished they would have explored that in the TV series, and I feel like I'm kind of getting that in a way now. Um, Also, he had a prediction um, that he had shared with with me previously. Um, He... He and I had been chatting about this, and so his prediction, he says, he says, also wanted to point out my prediction that I discussed with you about Harrison having the passenger and taking over the family business while Dexter either takes the fall for him or dies to protect him with a spinoff series focused on Harrison. That's looking more promising each week. So that's Josh's hmm. prediction and thoughts so far. Thanks, yeah, Josh. Yeah, I've thought of that. Um yeah. I don't know. It's like it's a 50-50 thought. I'm like, you know, if if it, I would love for it to continue, I love this world, and if we could get that, yeah. I'm but like, worried. also, you have those thoughts. Where you're like, mm, but if they end this one right, then sometimes just it's better to leave it's things just, alone yeah. where they lie. Like, if they if they do it in a satisfactory way, I'm totally fine with this just being it. Yeah, you know? yeah, I'm okay with it. Because um, you can get too much of a good thing and draw it out to where it's not a good thing anymore. I've seen that happen with quite a few things. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Too much, sometimes too much of a good thing. And sometimes you just have to kind of know when to end it. Mm-hmm. Um, thank you everyone for your feedback. Uh, we actually got a couple of voice messages as well this week. Um, first one we have is from our special guest that we had on last week is Sean. Mm-hmm. So let's see what Sean has to say about this week's episode. Hey, Rima, Peck, it's Sean again. Uh, excited for this episode. So excited. Um, oh my gosh. Like, we get Batista back and we get like a lot of. So I know a lot of times when you're watching these shows, there, there's a lot of stuff where you're like, well, I mean, ugh, like, couldn't somebody figure this out? And. <laughs> It, it was a little bit too kind of like a lot of things lining up too perfectly for everybody to kind of figure out that, or not everybody, but Dexter's girlfriend to figure out like, oh my gosh, it's like, wait a minute, like, you know, Harrison said that his name's not really Jim. And then she's at this conference and meets this guy and all these things kind of line up. Like you said, I think last week, it's like Harrison's not a very common name, like, wouldn't that kind of like trigger something? And and you kind of saw it here. And the best line was when Batista was telling like, follow your gut. And I know he was talking more about the case, but with that name and talking about what uh, her daughter said, like it was like her gut was saying something. So she investigated, checked out the internet and figured some stuff out. And there you go. She's like, okay, well this, this guy isn't who he says he is. And, you know, for so like, you know, that's gotta be just huge for her in terms of like spending this time with this person that you think, you know, and all of a sudden you know absolutely nothing about him. 
you know, we get the scene where, you know, in the extra scene a little bit, they kind of showed him pulling over and like, you think like, Oh my gosh, like this is going back to like, is it, is it flashing back? Did I mess up? But I won't spoil it too much. It it was, let's just say it was. Um, but (laughs) you know, Dexter, you know, most of the time when he's going through these things, he's doing more of a, you know, I'm, I've got this urge. I'm going to, you know, take out a bad guy. And when he's talking to Deb in the truck and I just have this thought, I don't know if it'll be real or not, but you know, he's talking to her and she's like, this is different. This isn't you. This is revenge. Then she's gone. And Dexter says out out loud, like, I don't remember exactly what it is. Like, you know, yes, it is. Or I'm okay with that. And essentially like, she's not there. He says it out loud. It's not his inner monologue. I'm kind of curious with this, with this thing that he just did, going out and killing the you know the drug maker and making him OD. Well, will this be the last time we see Deb? Like, is this the step that Dexter's taking, where his dark passenger is no longer trying to keep him from doing things, trying to be the voice of reason, and now he's going to get a dark passenger that's prodding him along, pushing him to you know get with Harrison to you know have Harrison do these things or try to train Harrison or something something with that and you know the thing too like you know last last time when I was on we were talking about Harrison like I was all like Harrison's Harrison's he's killed people before I think this episode you see a little bit like I'm a little bit more on the fence now so he had a good reason for why he had the knife like you know you're out homeless you're out there like yeah you need it for protection so maybe that makes sense. Slicing that artery seemed a little bit too much of a you know direct hit. Could have been lucked. He could have rolled an at twenty. I don't know. Um, <laughs> but we see our bad guy pick him up, take him to his restaurant, give him a job, and saying just kind of like I see a lot of potential in you now. You know, there's people that find people for grooming and stuff like that and all kind of aspects of stuff. You know, are we seeing basically Dexter and him both seeing that this is somebody that they can take and groom and bring him into their kind of lifestyle? I don't know if that's where they're going. You know, it's it's uh but this episode was so good. It just it really kind of got a lot of stuff going. Again, uh Dexter's freaking the shit out of me. It is scary Dexter. It is horror movie Dexter. This is not the Dexter that you sit back and you think, oh my God, I love this guy. This Dexter scares the shit out of me. Um, oof, but yeah, uh, ready for the next episode. It's going to be a couple of days, but you know, uh, love to hear what you guys say. I'll talk to you later. Bye. Ooh, get that, Sean. Um, yes. I don't, I mean, <laughs> Kurt just lost his son. I mean, he's faking it and telling people that he's alive, but he knows that his son is dead. He's feeling that mm-hmm. gap, and I think, yeah, he sees something in Harrison, and that, you know, he can kind of fill that hole that Matt left, um, and can maybe see, like, you know, I, I couldn't do right with Matt. Like, he, he admits that Matt had his faults. It was his son, and he loved him, but he admitted he had some fault or he had faults, and he had to kind of clean up after him a lot. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe he thinks he can take Harrison under his wing um, and kind of mold him. Yeah. I don't think that that's um, not too hard to picture, I think, in my opinion. I don't know. And I hope it's not the last time that we see Deb.
That's all yeah. I'll say. No, I, I hope not. I would love more Jennifer Carpenter, just in general. Uh, but yeah, she's I want great. some more of her crazy antics where oh my she's God. I got signs wood and wood chippers and stuff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she she's so, so good. Fun. Yeah. It's fantastic. Thank you, Sean. As always, I love hearing what you have to say. Okay, next voice message we have is from our good friend Steve. Let's see what his thoughts were this week. Hey, Strange Indeed, this is Steve. I'm about to start my second watch of Dexter New Blood Episode 5, Runaway. Absolutely loved seeing David Zayas, uh, Angel Batista in the, the first viewing, and so I can't wait to, to see it again here. Wow. So that's an interesting revelation that he thinks what Harry did was child abuse, or at least his conscious, subconscious thinks that. Okay, she's got to know this is weird that this room is down at the end of a long hall in his cellar. (laughs) Right. Come on. (laughs) He's a flat earther, but it's perfect timing. I'm so glad this party was for real and not uh, some prank they were pulling on him. Oh, this is not going to be good. Drugs and alcohol. Oof. Uh-oh, that was not a good idea, telling the chief of police daughter that Jim is not his real name. I remember the first time I watched this, that as soon as they started talking about the guy checking out, I it just popped in my head. It's the guy that took the fall for the boat accident. He's taking a lot of the ketamine and syringes for one guy. Just saying. Did he not get enough of the ketamine into the guy, maybe, to, to make it look like he... Gave him the drug. I guess he pulled the needle out before. I don't know. <laughs> Even I feel intimidated. <laughs> Facebook official. <laughs> what? Why does this guy have pills all over the floor? That doesn't make any sense. Well, he has a specific ritual. They have to run. He shot her in the eye. Dang. <laughs> he chops his own wood. Oh, cool. You guys talked to this, but I think it was actually Lundy's notes is how they figured out about the the the. 10-year-old boy or whatever, the, the cycle of four. <laughs> of course, since it was the guy who took the fall for the boat, it still doesn't explain why Kurt's, Matt's dad thinks he got a call from him. Okay, how did she get from Jim Lindsay's not his real name to figuring out that he's Dexter Morgan? I, They're going to have to explain that to us. All right, talk to you later. Good stuff. Great. Yeah. Um, let's see, I'm trying to remember all out of the things because I had some notes of stuff that you said, uh, and I'm already forgetting. But um, that last one, yeah, is I think it's just because of what Angel Batista had told her about Deborah Morgan and her and her brother both dying in these freak things. And, of course, her brother's son's name was Harrison, and yeah. that's enough for her to, to look into it that way. Yeah, find I, out I who's the well, who's enough. who's the deceased brother of Deborah Morgan, Dexter Morgan, right? Yeah. yeah, I think I agree. I think that was enough um, for her to at least go take a peek and go down an internet rabbit hole, do a little mm-hmm. investigation, and of course she's got access to all the things because she's a cop, so she can you know access databases that um, aren't just online with like Google and stuff. Although you can get a lot out yep. of Google. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that was great. Thank you, Steve. Thank you, Sean. Thank you to everyone that left feedback. I, you know, keep it coming. A lot of uh, interesting yeah. things going. I'm sure it's not going to slow down anytime soon. No, we are full speed ahead at this point now. I yeah, think. <laughs> it's it's turning. It is turning. Um, 
Well, and speaking of, next week we'll be covering the sixth episode of Dexter New Blood titled Too Many Tuna Sandwiches. Interesting. Yeah. Don't know what that means. I'm okay with that. I mean, I know know Dexter has quite the affinity for his tuna sandwiches at that diner at that restaurant. That is true. Um, He does like his tuna sandwiches. He was pretty upset when it was closed that day and he couldn't go get his lunch of mm -hmm. tuna sandwich. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. I know I'm <laughs> extremely excited to see what happens next, um, to see how he talks his way out of that, uh, when she confronts him. And not only am I excited to talk about that episode and, and for that reason, but because we are also going to be joined by another special guest mm-hmm. next week. Um, yay. yay, Jason from the Walking Dead cast is going to join us mm-hmm. next week. And also our coverage of lock and key right here on strange indeed he's been doing that with us as yeah well too. yeah so, he's yeah. <laughs> he's one of our co-hosts is it co-host of his three people i don't know but a co-host we're all podcasting always on lock and key um but the first time that he's going to come <laughs> over here and talk to us um about dexter so really excited i know he's a fan of the show uh mm-hmm. and i think he's i think he's been enjoying this season so far most of it mm-hmm. i think uh so yeah can't wait so everyone be sure to um include him in next week's feedback uh well we are excited that you followed us to the kill room and we ask that you also follow us on twitter at strange tcast you can like us on facebook at facebook.com slash stranger tcast you can email us at strangerthingscastpod at gmail.com and you can also find us on the tv time app you can find Strange Indeed and a bunch of other great podcasts at podcastica.com. Go out and leave a review for Strange Indeed on Apple Podcasts. And yeah, a lot of great um, things happening on uh, Podcastica. Podcastica. We talked a little bit about it. Um, if you're not listening to our lock and key coverage, and shame on you. But if, if you didn't hear that um, or haven't heard already, um, our good friends, um, Greg, Wendy, and Ben are covering Wheel of Time. Mm-hmm. on house podcastica right now and yes and it has been super super great the show and their podcasting coverage of it i had no doubt the coverage was going to be fantastic <laughs> i haven't yet had a chance to watch the show yet um but i'm i'm i really really want to i'm hearing good things about it and of mm-hmm. course i want to be able to watch the show so i can listen to their coverage um because they're all really great podcasters and yeah. always have interesting insight um and make sure um, you also check out Pake and Daphne on their podcast um, called Run for Your Lives. Now, I know you gave everyone a sneak peek on our lock and key coverage this week, but would you like to tell uh-huh. this, our Dexter audience, him, yeah. <laughs> give them a tease of what you've got going on this week? Those shameful few with no crossover. No, I'm kidding. Uh, yeah, uh, so this week on Run for Your Lives, me and Daphne talk about one of my favorite horror movies. It is the 2013 Supernatural kind of thriller horror directed by Andy Muschietti, who did the newer it movies produced by Guillermo del Toro is entitled mama. And yeah, I mean, it's one of my favorites. I had a great time with it in theaters 2013 when it came out. Some of the CGI and stuff does not hold up, but uh, that's a, it happens, happens. but the story itself um, is great. It's, it's a lot of fun. I mean, it's a good supernatural tale of a, you know, these two little girls who go missing out in the woods for like five years. And then when they are found, they've been taken care of by this like ghost supernatural being. 
And now that they're being uh, put back into society, uh, Mama doesn't want to let go of them. Uh, absolutely <laughs> it's, terrifying. To it's me. horrifying, yeah. but it's so good. <laughs> Yikes! That sounds like mm-hmm. one of my worst freaking nightmares come to life. <laughs> God, that's awesome. So yeah, so definitely check that movie out and check us out on Run for Your Lives this week. Give us a let's see. Uh, I think there's still some time for some feedback if you want to send that to us. So yeah, yeah, <laughs> do that. Thank you. All right. Well, that is our show. Thanks for listening, everyone. Until next time, I'm Rima, and I'm Pay, and Stuart Matthews is strange indeed. <laughs>